0: Again, just want to put in a plug for this book that we have called this, named this series after Habits of Grace by David Mathis. Uh, If you are interested in engaging and participating with us as a church in this study, this is free online. You can download this from DesiringGod.org. The book and the study guide, you can put it on your Kindle, you can print it off, you can load it to your phone, your tablet, or, or you could just go to Mardell's or Amazon and, and pick you up one of these. Crossway books uh, and pick you up uh, one of these. And it's designed to, uh, to take you through the basics of, of discipleship in just, just uh, one month, in, in four weeks. Uh, particularly focusing on, the, uh, on prayer, on the Word on fellowship and then it hits on a couple of other of things like stewardship of time and money and the great commission and 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 there's a chapter on fasting as well and so it just it kind of gives a summary of what we're going to be launching into in the The 2-7 and 2-7 is is kind of a next level so uh, go ahead and get that and, and join us on this journey as we focus in on Habits of Grace. As I said uh, last week, this time of year, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people are thinking about their lives, their habits, their goals, uh, the, the, their la- the previous year, they're thinking about how, how did I do last year, what, what habits do I want to change, practices do I want to change, and what new habits do I want to develop and implement? And so we want to ride that wave and, and kind of cast vision, c- coming from our vision and values at City Church, some of the things we value like knowing G- uh, know Jesus, love people, and impacting your world, uh, and then some of the values of prayer, of being, of having integrity, biblical integrity, of loving of, uh, relationships, loving community, um, and some of those vision and values are going to be encompassed in this study as we dig in to this, this sermon series called Habits of Grace. I love the approach um, of, of emphasizing grace. This has often been called spiritual disciplines, reading the Bible, prayer, and fellowship, and evangelism. Those are spiritual disciplines, and rightly so. But I love, I love calling them and, and seeing them as Habits of Grace. Because God's grace is what you and I need for change. God's grace is is what brings salvation to us. God's grace is what sanctifies us. God's grace is what empowers us, enables us to be who God has called us to be and to do what God has called us to do. I'm sure all of us have experienced as Christians trying to discipline ourselves and change ourselves in some way or another and get very discouraged by the lack of change and the lack of conformity to Christ-likeness when we just gut it up with our, with our will, our self-will, and our, try to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And as I've said over and over again, the Christian life, offers us, the grace of God offers us not just pardon from sin, but power to live victorious. And Dustin quoted Romans chapter 8 that describes that victorious life that you and I have been invited into to live led by the Spirit of God, known as sons and and daughters of God who've been forgiven, justified, redeemed, whose future is sure and certain. And nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And so I've titled this sermon today before we look at the discipline of uh, of getting into God's word next week, feeding on his word and hearing his voice. Um, I want to look at growing in grace. And this is the intro in this book. Uh, I'm going to quote some of the elements there, and I have my own outline and my own focus here. Uh, but before we, we look at the text there, I'd like to just give a recap of, I want to give a vision, of cast some vision for this year for us as a church. If you've gone through the Connect class, this is something we talk about in the Connect class. We, we talk about what our vision statement is, and we talk about our strategy to achieve that vision. How are, we, how are we going to walk this out? How are we going to carry this out? And so, as I was writing down some things that, that the Lord put in my heart for this year and for our church, I just kind of rearticulated a little bit the vision. Um, not, not changed the vision, but just re-articulated. Like, here's what we're aiming for this year. And it lines up with what we've been aiming for every year. To grow as healthy disciples who know Jesus, are energized by grace, motivated by love and leading others to become healthy disciples. That's no Jesus love people and impact your world. And the strategy to get there as we talk about in our Connect class is to encounter God, to be a people who encounter God through prayer, encounter God through his word and encounter God through worship. Okay? And and then we want to be a people who engage in community through community groups and doing life together, knowing and being known by one another in relationship, walking with, with one another, weeping with one another, rejoicing with one another. This week, I got to do that with our dear sister Vicky and Phil, who are not here this morning because they, they have COVID. But Vicki's father, Carlos, passed away, and we got to go to... Um, to, to his funeral, what a sweet time it was to reflect on 90 years, a life of 90 years and, and to just have that opportunity to think, even for myself, I, I enjoy going to funerals because I'm forced to think about what matters most. What am I doing in my life that needs to change? And being inspired by others who have lived well as well. The Bible says it's better to go to a funeral than a party. So we got to do that. And then last night, here's an announcement. Last night, we had a new baby b- born into the family. Uh, Breanne Sway here, Bridget and Breanne, had baby Elliot. He was a little over nine pounds. Mama and baby are doing well. And so just this week, just in a matter of two days, three days, there's weeping with those who weep. And there's rejoicing with those who rejoice. And that's what we do with one another as we engage in community and as we live out the one another as a relationship. We walk with one another where we're known. We're loved. We're accepted. We're forgiven. We belong. We have a place at the table. We have a part in the family. There's privileges and there's responsibilities, and we engage in that community. We love one another. That's our vision here. That's what we're aiming for here. That's where we're going this year. Who wants to go that in that direction? Right. And and then also the strategy for carrying this out is equipping the saints through what we're doing here on Sunday mornings through. Expository, faithful expository preaching, primarily yes. Yes. through book studies, book studies like like the two seven book studies, like Habits of Grace, like the, the women's Bible study, uh, different different uh, conferences, or men's breakfasts, women breakfasts, uh, uh, retreats, uh, different different things like that, where we're we're trying to equip the saints here with the Word of God, so that everyone here who is called to be a minister is actively engaged in ministering in their context, in their family as priests, praying for others, Uh, praying for others and, and sharing the good news with others. Everyone's called to this priesthood of all believers. It's not just me. It's not just church leaders and their missionaries. Everyone's called to be a minister of the gospel, to represent Jesus as ambassadors for Christ. Everyone who's a Christian is called to that. And so we want to equip you, saints. We want there to be equipping here, so Ephesians 4, so that that you can become mature, and so that you're, you're established and rooted and grounded, and you can speak the truth in love, and you can bring your part to the body of Christ, and so that you can engage the lost in your sphere of influence. And 2 Timothy 3 tells us that it's the Word of God that equips us for every good work. And that's what we're committed to here, preaching the Bible, preaching the Word of God so that you and I can feast on the truth of God's Word and experience grace from the Word of grace and truth and wisdom and life through feasting on the Word of God and be equipped for every good work. And then evangelize our city. This is what we want to do this year. Our city, our community, our neighborhood, we want to bring the gospel to every single relationship. Every single relationship, we want to make it our aim, make it our goal, make it our prayer. Here, I'm already jumping to application here. Make a prayer list for your lost, lost friends and family. Make a prayer list this year. Write them down. Write out a prayer for them. Pray that God, God, give me an opportunity to share, to bring the gospel to this relationship. And maybe you've already done it before. Don't, don't 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 kick the door in if they don't want, if they're not if you're knocking and they're not trying to open the door for you just give them some space serve them love them um, let your light shine through good deeds but let's make it our aim to evangelize to bring the gospel to every single relationship and then as as people come to Christ let's take them through that same process that we're walking through ourselves encountering God engaging in community equipping being equipped and equipping others and evangelizing, bringing the gospel to every relationship. Sound good? Who, who's up for that in 2022? I'll tell you what, if we commit ourselves to this right here, I think we will multiply as a church. I, And that's a part of the vision. I, it's our vision this year. I, I want to challenge you. I pray that every one of you and I be actively engaged in discipling at least one other person. Now, some of you, many of you are already doing that. Okay, you're, you're already and you've, you've taken responsibility for another person as a spiritually mature person and you're trying to help them walk and grow in their their walk with Christ, right? But if you're not doing that, let's make that a point of prayer and commit to that. To invest in the life of another. To love somebody else. To help them on the journey, wherever they're at. That, okay, so let's turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. Peter was somebody who encountered the grace of God in a very profound way, and his story is so encouraging because we see, as we went through the book of Mark last year, we see at times that Peter can tend to be a knucklehead. He can tend to speak things that he shouldn't say, and, and, and kind of act too quickly on certain things. And and he, he and I love that about the Bible that the Bible not only records the victories uh, and, and the, the successes of of those that, that God was working with, but it also records the failures, the bloopers. And we're inspired by that because that's real life for us too. Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we all need grace just as much as the person sitting next to you, the saint sitting next to you, and just as much as the sinner out there smoking crap. We need Grace. We need God's grace to bring redemption to our lives. It's by grace that we're saved. And so Peter experienced that. He was was like, man, Jesus, I'll die for you. I'm going all the way for you. He was very self-confident, as we talked about in the book of Mark. And he realized that he needed to, to learn dependence upon the grace of God. And he did learn that lesson through his failure. I was reading this week about Peter... And John, uh, the end of John, and Jesus says, "Come and have breakfast with me." That's a great verse for the for the men's breakfast. So, <laughs> come, come and have breakfast with me. Isn't that really cool that Jesus prepares the breakfast and says, "Hey, come and have breakfast with me." At a time when Peter probably felt most unworthy and undeserving, even to eat a single meal, much more, eat a meal with Jesus. And be accepted at Jesus' table. So he's there, and Jesus says, do you love me? Feed my sheep. And he affirms. Three times he asked him that. Do you love me? He affirms the most important thing. Do you love me? Jesus. Peter, do you love Jesus? Then, then express that love through feeding my sheep. Do you, and, and Jesus was affirming, I still called you to this. Your failure and your sin did not surprise me. I'm not going to throw you away. I'm not done with you. It may have surprised you, Peter, but it didn't surprise me. And so Peter writes in first, first Peter chapter 5, he says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He finishes his letter saying, may the God of all grace strengthen, perfect, and establish you. After you've suffered a little while. He calls God the God of all grace. Peter got some insight into God's grace. He starts and finishes his second letter with grace. At the end, in in contrast to not being led astray by the the wicked, the ungodly, false teachers and leaders. He exhorts the church, he says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus. And Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and on the day of eternity. Amen. Grow in grace. That's where we're going this morning. That's what we're talking about this morning. Growing in grace. What does it look like for you and I to grow in grace in 2022? What does it look like for you and I to cultivate habits of grace? See, we're all creatures of habit. We all have habits that we need to change. One of the things I've been challenged to do is stop biting my nails. Okay? This is 2022. You can ask me. Or look at my nails. Are my nails. That's not a sinful habit. I'm not going to condemn anybody for for biting nails. Don't condemn me if I I fail. Um, But it's just something I'm committed to stop doing this year. Small thing. Very small thing. I'm not any better before God because I stopped doing that or not. He loves me just as much. I'm not more of a godly pastor. I just, my my fingers are going to look better. (laughs) That's it. All right? Okay. So grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter already has casted vision for what that looks like for the church to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ at the beginning of his epistle. He starts in in verse 2 and he says, May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now let me just say this, church. God has given you everything that you need for 2022 to do His will. To be who He's called you to be, and to do what He's called you to do. Sometimes we get discouraged and burned out when we try to do what God doesn't call us to do. We get frustrated and irritated when we try to do our will, but God gives us grace to do His will, what He's put us here for. And His grace finds us in every season: the weeping by the graveside, on the wedding day, on the mountain top, in the darkest night of the soul. As we were singing earlier, His grace finds us, His grace is sufficient, and says, this is a message, this is a life message for me, because this is what has invaded my life and wrecked my life for good. I encountered the God of all grace. And when we encounter the God of all grace, when we encounter the gospel of grace, when we get the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace living inside of us, it doesn't lead us, it should not lead us, To passivity and mediocrity. It should lead us to fruitfulness, to faithfulness, to godliness, to Christ-likeness, to discipline, to training ourselves. God has given us power. He's given us promises. We have become partakers of His divine nature. We get His divine power. We get these amazing promises that that fuel hope and grace into our lives. And so we have everything we need. I don't know what you're you're praying for this year, this big thing that you want or or that you're asking God for. But whether you see that come to pass or not, this year, God's given you grace to do His will. His power, His promises, and you're partakers of His divine nature. And we can walk in purity and be delivered from the corruption of this world through lust. But notice in verse 5, notice in verse 5, if we're going to grow, it's not automatic. Okay, God ultimately is the one who, who brings growth. But we have a part in this process, and we'll talk a little bit more about this, but I want you to see this here in 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 1, verse 5. He says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly kindness, or brotherly affection. And brotherly affection... With love. Notice that we have a part to play. We need to make every effort. and response to all that God's given us. His power. His promises. We're partakers of His divine nature. We need to respond to that. And it's so fitting for us to do so. Romans 12.1 When you look at the mercies of God. To respond with surrendering all. And offering your life as a living Sacrifice. To honor him. But here are, here are the characteristics that Peter lays out for healthy disciples that are growing. Okay? Virtue. Faith. Add to your faith virtue. Knowledge. Self-control. Make every effort to do this. In, in other words, this isn't automatic. You don't just coast into this lifestyle of becoming healthy disciples who are fruitful and effective. Fulfilling their God-given purpose. We got to respond. We got to respond to God. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly kindness. Now, I, I, I shared this before. Some of y'all remember this, but um, here, here is um, these two charts here, and Christ likeness is at the center. Okay, that's our aim in discipleship. We're destined, predestined, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Romans eight, Romans eight twenty nine. Right, that's our aim. That's what we want to see. As we make disciples, we want them to be mature in Christ, become more like Christ, and and, and, and take on the fruit of the Spirit and take on these characteristics in their life. And so, there's on the left, on the other side, there is a chart of what elements make cement. Okay. See, there's there's eight of those elements that that make cement. This substance that becomes hard and solid that we are standing on now, on the second floor, sitting on right now. Cement. God wants these, these Christian virtues, these elements that Peter is casting vision for. Here's what it looks like to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants these. He wants our life to become solid with godly character that the Apostle Peter's casting vision for. And they're step by step. We, we add these, two, we, we focus on these, we make effort for these things to take place. We need character if we're going to be sustained through hard times. Okay? Not just charisma, we need character. And this is what he calls us to. And so he gives vision for spiritual growth and health. Here, here, here's uh, some descriptions of what, what he's talking about here. Virtue is moral excellence. Who wants moral excellence? Who wants to excel this year? I want to excel this year. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to settle for mediocrity. I want excellence, moral excellence. It describes anything that fulfills its purpose or function properly. In this context, it means a Christian who fulfills his or her calling knowledge, understanding, correct, right, Correct insight, truth properly comprehended and applied. This virtue involves a diligent study and pursuit of truth in God's Word. Now remember, God's Word is central, and we'll talk about that a little bit next week. Self control this is mastery over yourself. We talked a little bit about this last week when we were talking about fasting. Fasting has a way of revealing to us those things that most control our lives. Hunger appetites are the strongest appetites that we have. We need food to live, but we don't just need bread. And we don't just need physical food. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We need God's word. And so we got to have mastery over ourselves, self-control, where we're not out of control, and where our belly, our appetites, and anything that's, that's thrown out as bait to us draws us away from fulfilling God's purpose for our lives. This involves uh, disciplined moderation, controlling one's desires and passions. Steadfastness, as Peter mentions, is to remain under something such as a heavy load. Some of us just want to get out of the oven real quick before it gets too hot, any hotter, and we come out half-baked. And God has us in certain circumstances and situations because He's refining us. And James says, let patience have its perfect work in you, that you may, may be mature, complete, lacking no good thing. But if you lack wisdom as you're going through it, you need perspective from a higher perspective that as you're going through trials, then ask God who gives it liberally, freely to anyone who asks in faith. Godliness, that refers to behavior that reflects the character of God. Brotherly affection, the Greek word is Philadelphia, is thoughtful consideration of fellow believers. Love. This is where we're going, love, love for one another, love for, for this is the, the, when, when it's all said and done as I'm writing out goals and I'm, as I'm writing out it's like, what's a win for me this year, this month that I, Keith Dollar, love God well and love people well. There's a lot of other things I have going on. But that's going to be a priority, a big rock this year for me. Love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love others well. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said the whole law and the prophets are summed up in these two. And if God were to show me a a clip, a trailer of my entire life on the judgment day, I, I desire that that clip is just saturated with love for God and love for people. And, it, it, it's, and it's one of those trailers that it's like, man, I, I want to see that movie. I want to see the whole thing. Man, that was good. The life of Jesus is like that for us. So love, that's where we're going. That seeks Love seeks the welfare of the person loved above its own welfare. And then Peter goes into those who, warning and uh, about those who lack developing these qualities. And he refers to unhealth. Namely, spiritual blindness. He says, "For whoever lacks these qualities is nearsighted. That he that, that he is blind is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Spiritual blindness and spiritual amnesia. He's forgotten. He or she has forgotten that he's been cleansed from his former sins. God forbid that that should be any of us." that any of us should should proceed in this year with spiritual blindness and spiritual amnesia. Well, we, we have forgotten what God has done. We have forgotten who we are. We, for, we have forgotten where we're going. And that's why we need to be rooted in the Word. And that's why we need to be in fellowship, gathering with the saints, where we're reminded and retold the gospel story over and over. And so let's talk about grace now. Grace flows from God, the God of all grace, 1 Peter calls him jesus jesus didn't do a whole lot of expounding and explaining on grace in his teaching he primarily talked about the kingdom of god but you know what jesus did do even though he didn't do a, a whole lot of actually declaring grace and this is grace charis jesus invited he displayed it with his entire life and John captures the summary of it saying that he was full of grace and truth. Those who are closest to you, what would they say you're full of? I hope it's grace and truth. We're aiming for that. We want to be like Jesus. The Holy Spirit in Hebrews 10:29 is described as the spirit of grace. The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is saturated in grace. Even in the Old Testament, when God revealed Himself and showed His glory to Moses, He said, I am the Lord gracious, the Lord gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. This is who God is. This is the God we worship. And a number of times it's in the Old Testament. And so you can find lots of grace in the Old Testament if you put those lenses on. And you find even more grace in the New Testament. As the New Testament, the New Covenant is described as grace in contrast to being under the law. You're not under the law, but you're under grace. The gospel is called the gospel of grace. Paul, in talking about his life goal and life mission, his verse for life is that he testified to the gospel of grace. That he finished the race and testified to the gospel of grace. And so God is a God of grace. So what is grace? The Greek word is charis. And I think it's uh, about 100, about 144, close to 150, 150 times used in the Bible. Charis. We have, a char- we have two charises here. One is my daughter. Beautiful name. Beautiful word. Charis. is used. And, uh, here, here's two, two theologians here. One from the Strong's. It's used... Um, and, and by the way, it's it's used in, in several different ways. Primarily, most folks know grace as undeserved favor and blessing. And that is true. It is that. You get what you don't deserve. Salvation. Forgiveness. Pardon. Everlasting life. It's a free gift that you can't earn. It's a gift. That's true. But grace accompanies, accompanies so much more than just that what which that's amazing in and of itself i don't want to belittle in any way the free gift of god's grace god is gracious to whom he's gracious he has compassion on whom he'll have compassion god's grace can break out on anyone at any time so look out because it might break out on you today god might unleash his grace on you and chase you down and win your hearts and make you look more like Jesus with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so grace is also described as the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps, strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to exercise, to the exercise of Christian virtues. Habits of grace. The capacity and ability due to the grace of God, the aid and succor of divine grace. That's from the Strongs. Mounts, the Greek uh, dictionary, that says this that grace is graciously bestowed divine endowment or influence. The great theologian John Piper, in his Ask Pastor John, May 8, 2020 was asked, what is grace? And he said, this isn't just a softball pitch. Give it to me. Right? If I'm... By the way, this is like... If I'm going to... I don't preach a whole lot topically, but like this is probably my favorite my favorite thing to topically preach about. Um, so, what is grace? Grace... God's grace is both the inclination of the divine heart to treat us better than we deserve and is the extension of that in- inclination... In practical help. In practical help. Now I'm sure some of you know your Bibles are thinking Hebrews 4.16, right? What is grace? How does grace influence us biblically? How does it have its impact upon our lives and change us? Well, first of all, it saves us. It sanctifies us. It strengthens us. It enables us to serve. And we're all called to serve. If you're here at City Church and you're not serving in some way within the body, I want to encourage you to do that. We have this little um, little organizer called Planning Center, and, uh, and Ellie helps us with that. We've got others, Steve, and others who are helping with that and managing, making sure that we have, we have order behind what sometimes can feel like chaos. <laughs> And and there's opportunities to serve, and we're communicating back and forth. Okay, who got this? And so we're working together as the body of Christ. That's what the body of Christ does. They serve one another. They build one another up. This is what a healthy disciple does. They don't just come and consume and hear good teaching, get spiritual flubber, But they contribute. They give. They give to the body of Christ and find great joy and fulfillment in doing so. It's not a mere duty for us. It's a delight. It's a delight to serve others. The poor lies down like our servant king. Grace strengthens us to do that. Grace enables us to do that. Grace brings glory to God. It glorifies God. It causes gratitude. Grace leads us to praise, to be people of praise. Grace humbles us. It humbles, as John Piper says, it humbles the best of saints, the most godliest of saints. And it gives hope to the worst of sinners. Humbles us. Gives hope. It comforts us. So let's look at How it sanctifies us. Titus two is a great verse for how it sanctifies, saves, and sanctifies us. Titus two eleven and twelve says, "For the grace of God has appeared. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, to live self-controlled, upright, godly life in this present age." What does grace do? It saves us. Ephesians two, eight and nine, every Christian in here should know that verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Not of works, not of yourselves, not of works, lest you should boast. For we are God's worksmanship created in Christ Jesus, which God had prepared before him. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God had prepared beforehand, that we should walk in. So we're saved by grace. The grace of God brings salvation. And the grace of God trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It sanctifies us. The influence upon grace in our lives sanctifies us. It teaches us to live self controlled lives, upright lives, godly lives, not mediocre lives. Not using grace as an excuse for sin, but using grace as an empowerment. To be excellent and excel in giving glory to God and excel and building up the church, loving those around you, using your gifts to do that. Grace strengthens Paul when he had a thorn in his flesh and he prayed three times, Lord, take this from me. This is one of the times that Jesus actually uses this word grace. And Paul quotes and he, and he quotes Jesus. And he, this, was his, this was Jesus' response. Jesus didn't remove the, the thorn. He didn't remove the hard thing that was in Paul's life, even though Paul prayed. But he responded. He did answer, and he responded, and he said, but he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. I wanted to have a picture of a puzzle up there. God's grace, His power fits perfect in our weakness. We're made for relationship with God, and through knowing Him, through our relationship with Him, we find the grace. We find the power that we need. Paul describes grace as, as more than just pardon and undeserved favor and blessing. He describes it as this power. My grace is sufficient. My grace is enough for you. My gra- no matter what you're going through, my grace is enough for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. This should free us up from our insecurities when we realize... And accept and acknowledge that we are weak, and we do have frailties, and we need need the grace of Jesus, we need the power of Jesus, and we need those that He's given grace in the body of Christ with their gifts to bring those together and, 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 and fit in where we're weak and another brother or sister is strong. Uh, first, this is probably this is probably my life verse and what, probably one of my favorite verses, and I can say that about many verses. And you probably haven't heard me, but this is for real. You, will if you get around me for any amount of time, you're gonna hear that verse, this verse right here. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and God's grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more and more than the rest of the apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Paul describes in this verse God's grace as being like the empowering presence of God, enabling him to be who God had called him to be and to do what God had called him to do. Paul's identity was rooted in the grace of God. I am what I am by the grace of God. Paul's ministry and his work for the gospel's sake was energized by the grace of God. And so God gets the glory from any good fruit that comes forth from his ministry. And if he has people that reject him, he doesn't have to take it to heart. He doesn't he didn't have to, he, he, he can rest in the grace of God that strengthens us. God's grace also enables us to serve. Here's Peter again, and he says this. He says, as each has received a gift. Look to, your, look to someone next to you and say, you've received a gift. You've received a gift. Even if you didn't get one at Christmas time or on your birthday. God has given you a gift. He's given you the greatest gift ever in His Son, Jesus Christ. But He's also given you a spiritual gift by which you can serve Him and serve the body of Christ with. As each has received a gift, use it. Use it. To what? Serve others. Serve one another. You want to fulfill your purpose? You want to be successful? You want to succeed in life? You want to win people? Influence people and win souls. Use, use your gift to serve others. As good stewards of the, the very grace, God's very grace, the, the multifaceted grace of God. There's so many aspects of the grace of God, and we're to steward it. And he says, he gives two examples. Whoever speaks, let him speak the oracles of God. Don't just give your opinion. If you're a preacher, teacher, exhorter, and your gift is, is using your words to build up, make sure your, your words are just filled and saturated with God's words, the oracles and sayings of God. And if your gift is more along the lines of serving others, like there's, there's speaking gifts and there's serving gifts, as, as Peter's describing. Don't just gut it up and serve in your own strength, he says, whoever serves as the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. That's great. There's a a provision of strength that God gives us to serve with in order, and here's what happens, in order that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to Him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. There's the end result right there. See, God's grace results in glory being brought to Him. As one uh, Puritan theologian, Thomas Brooks, said, God's grace. Uh, I had it written down. I thought it did. Grace also causes gratitude. I'm I'm trying to land a plane here, y'all. Y'all, hold, roll with me here. Grace causes gratitude for for it is all for your sake, so that by so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase. What does it do? It may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As God's grace impacts more and more people's lives, it causes gratitude to go up to God, praise to go up to God. So how do we grow in grace? How do we grow in grace this year? How do we develop habits of grace? First and foremost, we come to him by faith, depending upon him for what he supplies instead of looking within ourselves and to ourselves to make it happen. We rely on the grace of God. This grace by which we have access through faith into this grace in which we stand, Romans 5.2 tells us. By grace through faith, you're saved. Right? We continue to come... Well, joke getting ahead of myself. Humility is another way. When we recognize in humility that we don't have the whole package... That we're not self-sufficient. We're su- we're not sufficient in and of ourselves. We're not independent of God and even of others. God's designed us to be interdependent in relationship, where we're depending upon Him ultimately, but but we have a healthy dependence and interdependence upon others who have gifts and strengths as well. And so humility teaches us to live like that because God He gives these stiff arms to proud. There's a wall of of resistance. To those who walk in pride and just try to be the, the lone ranger in their life journey. And so if you ever feel like you're getting stiffed arm, just check it and see if there's there's an element of pride. That's that's what I do. And usually that's the case. <laughs> I'm going through our time like, man, I'm trying so hard to make this thing happen. And it's like, oh, I just need to surrender this. I'm trying to do this myself. Or I'm thinking arrogantly. Or I'm taking on more than God you called me to take on in my arrogance and pride. And not finding, as Eugene Peterson says, the rhythms of grace that he calls us into. Scripture is another way. Listening to God. God's word is described as the word of grace. that's able to build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified in him. Coming boldly before the throne of grace and pouring out your heart to God in prayer. Ephesians 4.16 Therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace that we may find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. And also fellowship, gathering with the people of God. As you do that, and a brother or sister led by the Holy Spirit speaks words over you, they can impart grace. Paul says, don't let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but only that which is necessary for edification that it may impart Grace to the hearers. Let what you say convey the grace and the truth of God. For God's grace, we need God's grace, or where where does God's work and our work intersect? Where does God's grace and our efforts intersect? Because we've got to be careful here. We don't want to become legalists overemphasizing our human responsibility, and we don't want to become passive and mediocre, and licentious, and like, well, God's just going to do it all, I don't have to do anything, right? And she so got folks wrestling with theology as they're trying to, to find their way, trying to find their, their balance and compatibility with these different aspects, who tend to go to extremes, and I, and I know I did early on. I went, one, early on, I went to the responsibility extreme. And, and was more prone to legalism. And then at one point I swung back over this way to like, like you know, I don't need to do as much. Like I'm like trying to do way too much. I'm trying to do God's work for Him. I don't need to do God's work for Him. Well, I have a, I have a stewardship and work that, that I need to be faithful and serious about doing. And here's where it intersects. Colossians 1.29, Paul says, after 28, he just says, I proclaim Jesus. I'm I'm teaching everyone that I might present everyone mature in Christ. In verse 29, he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. So so Paul's struggling. I'm trying to evangelize. I'm trying to make disciples. I'm trying to plant churches. I'm trying to do what God's called me to do. But I'm doing it with this power that's working in me. This power that that he describes working within us. It's God's grace, God's influence. Or in Philippians 2, it says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out, you know, just going to the gym. If you, how many of y'all got a gym membership this year? How many you got a gym membership period? How many of y'all work out? Anybody work out? Okay. You don't get muscles and you don't get stronger by merely showing up at the gym and being inspired by others who are working out. You get stronger and you develop muscles By stewarding and using the muscles that you have, stewarding the body that you have to take care of it and exerting some effort to strengthen it. Resistance, training. And so he says, work out your own salvation. Notice he doesn't say work for your salvation. He says, work out your salvation because God's already worked it in. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. That's grace. God works in us both to will, to want, to desire, and to do, to carry out his will for our lives. And so what does this look like? We need to put ourselves in God's path of grace, as Dave Mathis describes in his book Habits of Grace, and Piper describes. He says the essence of the Christian life is learning to fight for joy in a way that does not replace grace. J. Baptist in the Habits of Grace, he says, We cannot earn God's grace or make it flow apart from the free gift, but we can position ourselves to go on getting as he keeps on giving. We can fight to walk in the paths where he has promised his blessings. We can ready ourselves to remain receivers as long along his regular routes, sometimes called spiritual disciplines, or even better, means of grace. Donald Whitney says, think of spiritual disciplines as ways we can place ourselves in God's, in the path of God's grace and seek him as blind Bartimaeus and Zacchaeus placed themselves in Jesus's path and sought them. Blind Bartimaeus, there was a crowd and a barrier to getting to Jesus, but he did what he could and he cried out, Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tried to quiet him down. and He didn't get quiet. He got louder. Lord Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he put himself on Jesus' path. He did, he did his, his part, all that he could do to get Jesus' attention. And Jesus healed him. Zacchaeus, a wee little man, short little man, tax collector. He couldn't see Jesus because of the crowds, and he was too short. So he had to climb up in the sycamore tree. To see Jesus. And he got in the path of Jesus. And Jesus came in Luke 19. And he says, today salvation has come to this household. And he experienced grace. God's grace finds us and meets us. And whatever ability we have to put ourselves in God's path of grace. To get in the flow. Where it's flowing. The river where it's flowing. Let's get in it. Let's jump in. And not just watch everyone else experience it and, and say like, man, I wish I, could, I wish I could get in there. Well, take two steps. Take one step. What's the next step for you? To get in the flow, to get in the river. <clears throat> Dave Mathis says that we cannot force Jesus' hand, but we can put ourselves along the path of grace where we can be expectant of his blessing. He also says God's grace is unmeasured, boundless, wild, and free. Because of it, we are enabled to repent of our sins and believe God's promises. It is grace to be forgiven of sinful acts, grace to be supplied the heart for righteous ones. It is grace that we are increasingly conformed to the image of His Son, and grace that He doesn't leave us in the misery of our sin, but pledges to bring to completion the good work that he has begin, begun in us. Philippians 1.6 The flood of God's favor brings us his forgiveness and our adoption as his children, and it starts on the path of grace and power, effort, and initiative. Does that sound good? Who wants to read that book? He describes it like this in his book. Like a light switch. You can't make electricity flow through the... the you can't make the electricity flow, but you can turn the light switch on. Just turn the light switch on. If the electricity is not flowing, you're going to have to call an electrician. Or, or you can try to figure it out like I did and see some sparks going on and experience a little shock. And try to figure out what's going on here. Why is there a disconnect of electricity flowing through this socket this right now? If you need the light turned on, you turn the light switch on. Or, or he describes turning on the faucet. Your pipes are frozen. You can't make the water uh, just flow if it's not flowing, but you can turn the faucet on if it's working properly. And the water works for you. We do this every day when we wash our hands. And so he says God's regular channels of grace, as we will see, are his voice that's listening to his word, his ear that's pouring our hearts out in prayer, and his body that's gathering together. With the people of God. And this is how we put ourselves on the path, on the flow of where God's grace is flowing and working and where he will meet us with it. And this has been what has changed my life. This is what has wrecked me in a good way, where I, used to, where I needed to take away the pointing of the finger, the critical spirit, the condemning spirit, judgmental spirit. God's grace humbled me. Put that away. Quit being so unchristlike. like He who's without sin, cast the first stone. That's not me. I'm not without sin. This is this is where God has freed me up from my insecurities and self-focus. When I come to rest in God's grace and learn the rhythms of God's grace and enjoy the song and enjoy the dance and step on in and quit trying to be something I'm not or do something I haven't been called to do, but step into the river that he has called me to step into and go with the flow. Follow him. This is where I've seen victory over my battle with sin, personal sin struggles in my life, where I quit trying to do it without God so that I can be like, I did it, God. Now you're going to love me. Now I'm godly. Now I'm righteous. This is where God has loosened up the power of sin in my life as I've grasped and come to understand the gospel of grace, the God of all grace. And I don't lower the standards of godliness and righteousness, because I believe this, I'm empowered to live like God's called me to live. And I do blow and I do sin. But His grace pardons. And His grace is greater than all my sin. Grace, grace, God's grace. The old hymn says, grace that pardons and cleanses within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Greater than all our sins. And so let me land the plane here with a couple points of application, because I'm over. Forgive me. Give me grace. Give me grace, and I'll give you grace. We, this is, God's grace has been evident in my life in a number of ways, like treating others better than I think they deserve, just like Jesus has treated me better than I deserve. Like one time when it, when it clearly ended, it was when I was struck in the face and cursed by another guy that I probably could have crushed. Or at least I think, you know. But I didn't. I didn't fight back. I had no desire to. I can turn the other cheek, Move on. That's a victory. That's grace. That's grace working in my life. I'm following Jesus now. I don't have to fight back. I forgive you. I pity that you have that pain in you, that you want to strike and curse somebody. May God have mercy on you. And so, application here. Do a word study this week on grace in the Bible and reflect on how it's used reflect on go through if you need some, some it's fun to just do word studies every once in a while like this or if you got a topical bible you can use that you can google you, there's lots of free resources online i use something called Concord, Accordance, and i can just get it like like that just every time the word grace is used in the bible and just and just look at how it's used reflect on that so that you can get a better grasp of what does this mean for me what does it mean what is it, what is the bible communicating that it means and what does it mean for my life what does it look like to be changed by grace, saved by grace, sanctified by grace, strengthened by grace, serving in the grace by grace that, that the strength that God supplies, and then commit to cultivating healthy habits of grace in twenty twenty two this year. Read read habits of grace. Jump in slowly. If you if you, if you can't go at a fast pace with uh, with with others, then just just slowly work through it. This is a free book you can get online. And if, if you want a hard copy, we will get a hard copy to you if you can't afford it. And then identify unhealthy habits. This is my last point here. Identify unhealthy habits. Asking those closest to you what they see as your unhealthy habits. And replace those with healthy habits of grace. Husbands and wives, this is a good question for your spouse. What habits do you see in my life right now? or as of recent, that have hindered me from fulfilling my God-given purpose? What habits in my life do you see that are toxic to others, that I'm hurting others, I'm hindering others, I'm held back because these are just habits that aren't helpful for me? Identify those and then aim to replace those with habits of grace. Don't just, just surrender to condemnation as you're confronted with your brokenness. In your toxicity, relationally or spiritually, come to that mighty river and that flow that God has for you. Let us pray. Why don't we ask the Holy Spirit for that specific thing right now. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there is any Wicked or hurtful way in me. And lead me. Into the way everlasting. May the words of my mouth. May the meditation of my heart. Be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord my rock. My redeemer. Lord we want to get on board with all. All that you have for us. And most of all, we want to know you, be with you, experience you. And as we do, let the rivers of grace just flow mightily to us and through us. May we be conduits of your blessing and your grace into the lives of our family, into the lives of every one of us, everyone around us. May we bring the gospel of grace to every relationship. May we see much fruit this year. As we're caught up in your grace, as we put ourselves on the path of grace. In Christ's name we pray. May the Lord be gracious to you. May He lift up the light of His countenance upon you. May He give you His peace. May the God of grace, may the grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. If anybody would like prayer, I would love to pray with anybody after the service. Enjoy your Sunday.